I was always told to never count another man's pockets. This is Tony Wiggins with the Jacksonville Jaguars report here on Locked on Jaguars. I try not to count another man's pockets. Try not to say what somebody else needs to be doing with their money. Um, it, it appears that, though, in football, uh, that's different. Why do Jaguar fans care whether or not Nick Foles makes $22 million as a backup? If that position... If at that position you're spending that money on him and then you got another six-round pick and then Josh Dobbs isn't making very much money, what do you care? What do you care that he's a backup and and he makes that kind of uh, scratch? It doesn't really matter to you personally. And if they're not using more money at that position than any other team, and I doubt if they're even in the top ten, who cares? Nick Foles can be a backup making that money. Nick Foles has been a backup his entire life. Don't care whether he's making $22 million or 220000 if Gardner's better, he should start, period. And I wouldn't trade Foles. I wouldn't. I'd keep him just in case Gardner goes out there and gets himself banged up and gets himself hurt. Then you got one of the best backups in the league if you're Jacksonville. Keep him. This thing with fans, man. Yeah, sometimes I just wonder why they focus so much on, 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 on stuff that really shouldn't matter. Now, if you're upset because the amount of money that they spend on Nick Foles affects their ability to go out and get other players, I get it. Or if the amount of money that they're paying Nick Foles affects their decision-making process when it comes to who they're going to play and who they're not going to play, then boom, now I got a problem. But Nick Foles still isn't your problem. You know who your problem is? The people that allow that stuff to uh, creep up into their decision-making process. That's who it is. And Nick Foles' salary shouldn't prevent you from going out and getting anybody else. You know why? Because your starter, if he's Gardner Minshew, he's making no money at all. A lot of teams around the league that are paying backups way more money than Gardner Minshew or Josh Dobbs is making. Look around. They're there. You got eight, nine million dollar backups in this league. That's just the way it was. Chad Henney, when he was here, making seven million bucks, I think. I do I know that Chase Daniel, who had hardly ever thrown passes, signed a three year twenty one million dollar deal a couple of years ago with somebody. I mean, it happens. Just don't count another man's money, don't count his pockets unless it affects uh the decision making process on a bigger level you know i, I just I, I refuse to do it and, and and i won't do it now this this football team has more pressing issues than worrying about whether or not they're going to trade nick Foles or not seriously and his presence obviously hasn't affected Gardner Minshew because the kid is about as confident as you ever see a, a player be so yeah Appreciate the guy walking by with his phone ringing right in the middle of my podcast, but it's all good. But yeah, you know, if it doesn't affect anything, why would you get rid of him? Why would you weaken your room? And as we saw last year with Nick Foles, who was the quote-unquote savior for this franchise, especially after maybe what looks like a decade of bad quarterback play, he got hurt in the very first game of the regular season. What do you think, Gardner, with the way he plays? You think he's bulletproof? He's not. Chill with all the pocket watching, man. I mean, it's just... It really doesn't make sense. They don't have a, they don't have nearly as much money committed at that position as a lot of other teams do, and I think uh, you kind of got to be grateful and thankful for that. Don't make the fact that they found a quarterback in the sixth round. Don't turn that into a curse. It's a blessing. One, he's probably better than the other guy. Two, he's a pop culture phenomenon in this city, in a city that kind of needs that stuff to happen. And three, I actually think the kid can play. And you got him on the cheap for at least another three three years or so. Celebrate, man. How Rick James say? It's a celebration. 
Don't, don't, don't turn this into something else because you're pocket watching so bad. Fans do that, and then you know what else fans do? Fans get on players when players are angry at the team, but then when the team does something like maybe take another one of your games out of town, now the fans are angry at the same people. I mean, don't you at some point, don't you realize that your ally probably should be the player that you always get mad at when he wants more money or when he bitches and, gri- and gripes about the way things go? Come on, man. I'm just trying to help you all out here. That's what we do here on Locked on Jaguars. But it's hump day. Happy hump day to all of you from Locked on Jaguars. And what I want you to do is I want you to hang around because what I am going to do is I want to talk about a couple of positions. And I want to find out exactly what it is that you guys would do about those positions and how I believe those positions can be addressed. I did a little bit of this yesterday. I'm going to do a little bit more of that stuff. Uh, We're going to look at linebackers. We're going to look at running backs. Yep, linebackers and running backs. And there's something that everybody's been wishing for. I don't know if if it's even plausible that it could happen. I'm going to do that after this great, great word from our friends over at Blue Chew. Fellas, if you need to talk about sex, you can do it here on Locked on Jaguars. Or you can hit me up on social media. Or you can just listen to what I got to tell you right now about not only just sex, but good sex. When you remember the days when you were always ready to go. If you're like me, you're getting a little bit older or you're slowing down your metabolism. Something ain't right with you. There's a product for you. You go to BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. And you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready whenever that great opportunity arises. Here's what you got to do. This is a call to action for you guys. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code, Locked on. Just pay $5 in shipping. That's right. Again, that's blue like the color blue. Chew, as if you're chewing something because it's chewable. Dot com. The promo code is locked on to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And as always, we thank them for sponsoring this podcast. So I was sitting here thinking about these linebackers and I wanted to address something. This is there's been this thing for a couple of years. And they, well, look, you drafted Miles Jack. First of all, the Jaguars probably screwed this up, really. Uh, they brought him in. He was playing auto, some Sam linebacker position that they had in their old defense. And eventually, he was taking snaps with Puzlesny at Mike, and they were like, well, "We're going to make him a middle linebacker eventually." But right now, we're going to play him over here at auto. We're going to play him as a, a strong side linebacker. Kid couldn't do that. Uh, kid hasn't really developed as a Mike linebacker, a true Mike linebacker, and every now player. Uh, so everyone all, all of a sudden assumes, well, what he is is a weak side linebacker. How do you know? You never played Will. You ever seen him over there? How do you know? Even when Telvin was there and they had a guy who was a Pro Bowl level Will linebacker, they was like, this ain't going to work because eventually they're going to move Miles over the weak side because that's his true natural position. How do you know? He played running back in safety in his limited time at UCLA. How do you know what he can uh, you, do? You really know he can play Will? Do you know he can play weak side linebacker? Or maybe he's just a great freaky athlete who's just not very instinctive and just can't play any of those positions. The Jaguars have paid him a ton of money uh, 
to to go out and play and and the contract he has is not conducive to what you would pay a weak side linebacker especially with a guy like Caldwell Dave Caldwell the GM who comes from the Bill Polian school they didn't pay Mike Peterson when Mike Peterson came before a contract at Indy it's just not something that they've traditionally done they gave Telvin Smith a, a front-loaded very friendly deal because they actually they got him for cheap for a couple of years because he was a fifth round draft pick but even that deal was sort of a team-friendly deal, and it wasn't really the kind of deal that um, that everyone really, really thought it was. Telvin's just the kind of guy, he, he cares about money, but it's not like he really cares about money like that. You know, you can read some of his social media posts, and you understand that uh, money and everything. All he had to do was show up training camp, and he would have got $9 million guaranteed, and he didn't even do that. So the thing is, is we have to understand that there's a, there's a real possibility that Miles Jack just can't play. Despite um, his his athletic ability, his sideline to sideline speed, which, by the way, the, the older he gets, the more that stuff goes away, okay? Uh, when he first came in, it was like this, this athlete that could just go from sideline to sideline. He was very, very sudden. And then all of a sudden, now he's regressed. What if he just can't play? And what if he can't play in this day and age? What if all he is is just a great athlete playing linebacker? It's something you need to ponder and it's something you need to think about. The Jaguars have had, at some point, they you have to realize that there are certain positions that this, this club would have used a lot of resources. Um, and to be honest with you, they haven't had a, a ton of luck uh, when you talk about the tight end position. And they haven't had a lot of luck when you talk about uh, the running back position. And they haven't had a ton of luck when you talk about linebackers. Now, I know a lot of y'all say, man, you crazy. You know, they, they've had Buck, Daryl Smith. They've had Mike Pete. They had some really good linebackers back in the day. You know, they've had Paz. They had Telvin. Um, yeah, so I just pretty much named the really good linebackers they've had over the last 12 years. Okay? And that's I've named like three or four people. When you look at the other teams that have been really, really successful, you come to understand that it's not about just being able to cherry pick a name here or a name there. You know, you, you usually find the good teams. Every linebacker you name has been good. How long has Bobby Wagner and K.J. Wright been running around in Seattle? How long did Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis run around in Carolina together? You know, teams that, that are really good for a sustained period of time have guys. It's not like a one-at-a-time situation. Uh, in terms of linebacker. And linebacker is extremely important. And people seem to not think that that's true with the way that the league is, with all of the RPOs and, and the fact that teams are spending 70% of their time in nickel. But that's just not true. Linebackers are extremely important because you still need them on the field to stop the run. And then you still need them to cover the flat with all of these airbacks. And you still need them, uh, in a lot of cases, to run with the tight ends down the middle of the field. You know, if you don't understand football to that extent you know you, you just got to think the one thing the one of the ways you attack the tampa too is you throw the ball at the uh back of the head of the linebacker as he's chasing the tight end down the seat you throw it right at the back of his head and you have to have a linebacker that's that can drop in the coverage and play that way now miles jack has the athleticism to do that but where he gets screwed up is is on these on triggering on these run keys he just Sometimes it just seems like he's out of position. There have been a n number of times, and Christian McCaffrey is a good example because it happened last year in Carolina. 
But there's been a number of times where he was the one that was like, and McCaffrey do that to a lot of people, but, you know, not to the tune of almost 300 yards, you know. At some point, you got to make plays. They didn't make enough plays last year, and you heard on a lot of the broadcasts, uh, one of the guys that people thought were instrumental in in, in uh, that victory not coming the Jaguars' way because they got too far behind was Miles Jack. Just hadn't played well. Just has not played well. And then to add injury to insult, when he got replaced because he got hurt later in the year, the backup comes in and he like leads the team in tackles like three straight weeks. You know, so, you know, folks seem to think that, okay, we're just, it was a Sam, we're going to really move him to Mike, and now we're just going to take the mic and move him to, to Will, and he's just going to play. I'm not smart enough to tell you how less difficult that is, uh, that position is, but I will tell you this. You need to brace yourself if you're a Jaguar fan that the fact that Miles Jack might not even be able to play the Will linebacker position, and everyone thinks it's just going to take him. And stick him over there, and that's usually not the way it works. I I want to take a look at two two other positions. I told told you that I was going to just do two, but I think I got enough time to do three. Why have they not been able to find a tight end? Mercedes Lewis, Kyle Brady are the two best tight ends to ever play in this organization. That's cool. Both had long, good, solid careers. I think Mercedes even went to a Pro Bowl. He's a good guy, good leader. But I probably could go through every team in the NFL and name a guy who's been better than both of them in the last decade. Why well, can't the Jaguars? Sometimes I, there are teams out there with two tight ends, you know, multiple tight ends. And it seems like the Jaguars just can't seem to really, really get it right uh, with the tight end positions. I, I have a little theory with that, and I'll share it with you in just a second. All right. So we're looking at positions where the Jags need to really, really upgrade and improve. We're going to talk about tight ends and running backs. Uh, I'm a big Fournette guy. Everybody knows that. I like Leonard Fournette. Uh, I, I don't worry about where he was picked anymore because that's neither here nor there. That's just like the grading guard of Minshew every week saying, well, he's a six-round pick, so what do you expect? Well, I, if, he, if he's the starter, I expect him to play like a starter. I don't care where he was picked. And the same thing goes for Fournette on the other side. I'm not going to sit here and and constantly uh, look at his performance on a curve because the Jaguars used the, uh, the number four pick. I've talked about it in the past. They wanted to get bigger at that position. They weren't taking McCaffrey. They weren't taking for uh, uh, Cook. They weren't going to take it was the kid in, in New Orleans, uh, Alvin Kamara. They just weren't going to do it. So you can sit here and talk all day about them not taking big running back, you know, a, a running back. Uh, you know, they, The only two people you can really argue about, you can say Pig Howard, Derrick Henry, or you could say uh, the kid in Philadelphia, James Conner, because those are other big running backs that that went around that time. They weren't taking a little guy, and and that was Coughlin's fault. Now I'm gonna segue that into the tight end position because here's what I think that they have a problem with when it comes to addressing the tight end position. Too many times, what they do is they go in. They're not really looking for a complete football player. They go in with the tight end position and they go. I'm looking for a move guy, a pass-catching guy, which is a move guy. Or I'm looking for a straight inline blocker that can line up as a fullback sometimes, too, and give us some versatility. You're actually not getting versatility when you sit there and typecast guys that way. Why don't you just go get a football player that knows how to play tight end, who can block, who can catch? Why do you sit here and constantly look for either a blocker or either a move guy? Just find a tight end. George Kittle does both. 
Travis Kelsey does both. He does one thing better than the other, but he's not a total liability in the other. And then Travis Kelsey is like really, really good at catching the ball. You know, just find a football player. Find a guy. Baltimore's got 12 of them on their roster. How come you can't find one? Philly. Philly has multiple. If it's got like three tight ends on their team, why can't Jacksonville find one? I just don't get it. I don't have I don't know what it is about them when it comes to identifying tight ends. The only thing I can grasp a hold of is what they keep doing is is exactly what I just mentioned. It's the same thing they did with the running back situation with Fournette. Ah, oh, we want a guy like this. Okay, well, if you want a guy like that, then you go out and get a guy that's like that, but he better be great at that thing. Because if he's not great at that thing, he doesn't have another gear where he can switch and do something else. And I look at football players as almost like Swiss Army knives. I think they need to be interchangeable, and I think they need to be complete. When your backup guys can be specialists. I think the front-line guys, the guys that you look for to be your every-down football players, from the poker, it's the poker hand concept. If you have a one-dimensional guy, if he's always in the lineup and he's, he's in the lineup 60 70% of the time, then people, all, they know what you're going to do. And the Jaguars have had this mantra over the last couple of years, and you're trying to fool nobody. We're going to bust people in the mouth and run them over. That's why they've been totally predictable. That's, that's, that's exactly why. And when you can't bust people in the mouth and run them over because your offensive line sucks, you don't have another gear. There's nothing else you can do to change things up. Even when the offense improved last year in the Gardner Minshew, what happened is they don't score enough in the first half to compete and they they wait until late in the game to go on these little rallies when teams are kind of backed off and teams all right just go ahead you can score you're gonna run out of time that's what happens i think what jacksonville has to do is they have to do a better job of finding players that are complete football players that give them a best chance to be able to be versatile offensively and defensively and not be very very predictable how many of y'all watched the games over the last few years and you knew that eventually some running back catching the ball out of the field or some tight end from the other team is going to wear Jacksonville out. How many tight ends is on Houston's team? Uh, I know Daniel Fells is one of them, but I don't know these other people. But yet still, they're always catching balls, especially when they play Jacksonville. How many of the Colts have? They have Jack Doyle. They have Ebron. What, what about Tennessee? John o. Smith and all these. They got tight ends running all over the place. How come they can't find tight ends? And it's essential with the way that they play because they've run West Coast principles for the last five, six years. And now they have Jay Gruden. They, they're really going to need to find a guy. This is what they're going to do. They're going to go out free agency and overspend for one player the way they did with Julius Thomas. This is exactly what while other teams are doing. They're finding guys in the fourth and fifth round that can come in and help their football team. They just don't get it. They just don't do a good enough job at it. New England does it all the time. New England find a tight end anywhere, man. New England, it's probably some dude is a bus driver in Foxborough right now. They'll pluck him out and, and work him out. He'll he'll they'll plug him in and, and he'll go. The Rams, the Rams got people running all over the place out there catching balls. Why can't they find a tight end? What is wrong with their evaluation process? That all they do is get guys. That, that are one-dimensional and, and they're tails. As soon as, you come, as soon as they come in the game, you know exactly what they're going to do. I don't know. has to be addressed. It definitely has to be addressed if this team's gone. Now, look at the running backs. Like I said, I like Leonard. I don't even know if Leonard's going to be around. The way, you know, 
you, you follow social media and you listen to what people are saying, they they may move him, you know, before the season starts and try to go in a different direction. They may they may have watched the Super Bowl and watched the playoffs and got Shanahan fever and feel like, hey, man, we can find a running back anywhere. And now that they got Jay Gruden, he seems to get running back production out of everybody. Adrian Peterson, the kid from LSU who was Leonard's backup, uh, 29 up there. They had Chris Thompson. They had all kinds of guys where they could get uh, production out of them, you know? So we just have to see if they start to move in a different direction or they just bring a couple of people in, some good running backs in the draft. I think somebody in that building, I know for a fact, they like that kid from Ohio State, Dobbins. I know that. He's versatile. He can catch. He can run. You know, you know when you really think about it, man, this team needs so many things. This team needs offensive line help. They could use another alpha receiver. They need two tight ends. They need uh, running back depth and explosiveness. Uh, they need linebackers. They need corners. They need defensive tackles. The more I think about it, and, and you, this is going to transform right here in front of you live, straight with no chaser. The more I do these podcasts and I keep talking with Jacksonville needs, they need a lot. That's on Dave. That's on their direction. That's what it is. 2017, Caldwell says, is the most important draft uh, in the team's history. I think this one is. I think this is the most important draft and most important offseason in the history of the Jacksonville Jaguars because the fans, for the first time in a long time, they ain't buying it, man. For the first time in a long time, the fans around here, they're not sitting there. They're not. I used to call them little PR machines for the team. Nope, not no more. They don't believe you. We need more evidence. They're skeptical. The fans are more skeptical now than the media. This is a big, big, big offseason for Jacksonville. And it ain't going to end with whatever they do that looks good on paper. They got to go out and prove it on the field. Because if not, I think this thing could go to a place that will sink to a low that the Jaguars will find unimaginable to be able to recover from. This is your hump day edition of Locked on Jaguars. This is your man, T-Wig. Lots of questions. We'll see if we get answers as the offseason continues to unfold.